Well, we're in this series called Heroes. And today we're going to look at David's life one more time. Fact is, we're going to look at it uh, six more times. And we're going to go through David's life, and we're going to take his life and apply it to our life and our situations that we go through in life. And so if you've been with us with this Hero series, you know that we have taken the lives of men and women in Scripture, and we have looked at their life experiences, their experiences with God, and we have taken their life and their experiences, and we've built out, pulled out principles and, that we can apply in our life. So this is one of my favorite stories is of David and David and Goliath. Uh, it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you have your Bibles or your electronic devices, you can turn there. And we're going to walk through this story of David and Goliath, and we're going to look at um, some principles. Fact is, we're going to look at the principle of how do you confront giants in your life? All of us have giants, right? A giant is something that paralyzes you with fear. A giant can be something that distracts you from following Christ. A giant in your life can be something that just sucks the life out of you, sucks the passion out of you. A giant in your life, a giant in my life, can be something that we think God will never take care of. God will never remove out of my life, and I'll just have to deal with it for the rest of my life. Now listen, here's the great deal. All of us have dealt with giants at some time in our life. But here's the great deal about a giant. A giant in your life and a giant in my life can become a defining moment in your life. It's what happened to David. See, this is, this is what made David a legend. This is what David's ministry was built on. Listen, let me tell you something. A giant in your life and a giant in my life can become a defining moment in our life to where you know for the very first time God is faithful and God is our strength and God is our refuge. And God is forever faithful. See, it's the story of David and Goliath. See, David is still a teenager as we just pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And so he's still a teenager. And all of a sudden, Jesse, David's dad, comes to him and says, I need you to take some supplies uh, to the battlefield. Now listen, this was huge for David. David is a teenager. And you see in, in, the Israel, in, in Israel's army, uh, you had to be 20 years of age before you could serve. And David's a teenager, and he's heard about the battlefield, and he's heard about the warriors, and he's heard about that whole deal. And all of a sudden, David's dad asked him just to take some supplies. See, for David, this was just like any other day, and it's a principle that we're going to build on throughout this study of David's life is this, is God's assignment for you and your life can come when you least expect it. That's why it's so important to be faithful. That's why it's so important to follow him. That's why it's so important to, to just be obedient to him. And so David goes to the battlefield to where the Philistines are on one side and the Israelites are on the other side. And, and, and Goliath, the giant, is like taunting them uh, two times a day. And so, so all of a sudden it becomes this giant in their life. And a giant in your life and a giant in my life is anything that keeps us from following Christ. Anything that distracts our uh, uh, attention to him. So here's what the story says as we just pick up. The story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20, as we pull out some principles that we can apply in our life to deal with the giants that are in life, in our life that are facing us. Verse 20. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep and a keeper with a keeper and took provisions and went. As Jesse had commanded, commanded him. So this is just like any other day for David. Listen, God's assignment for you can come when you least expect it. It is it, it comes in being obedient to him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. So now David's in the middle of this conflict. He's in the middle of this battle, something that's been going on for 40 days. So verse 22, and so, and David left his things in charge of the keeper 
of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his, his brothers. So all of a sudden, <coughs> excuse me, David arrives there. He's enamored with what's going on. He's distracted with what's going on. He dumps the supplies. He goes to the battle line and he begins talking to his, his brothers. And as he's talking with his brothers, all of a sudden Goliath comes out. And Goliath had been taunting them. Goliath had been trying to imitate them, uh, intimidate them. Oh, and by the way, a giant in your life is not only something that can give you fear, it's something that can paralyze you, it's also something that intimidates you. And all of a sudden, for the very first time, David's there. And the fact is, Karen and I have been there. We've stood in this, this valley with some of you from our church. And it's just kind of this natural battlefield with a mountain on each side and a brook on one side is where the Israelites were. And, um, and then the Philistines were on the other side. And it's just this open valley to where it was just not only a great place for a valley, but it was also a, gr a great place for a war. But it was also a great place to watch a battle. And all of a sudden, Goliath comes out. And Goliath, what the scripture says, is, is nine feet tall. That's two feet taller than Shaq. I mean, Goliath is, Goliath is this tall guy and big guy. And not only that, he looked a lot larger than he really was because of the armor that he had on, the bronze helmet that he had on, the shield that he had, the, the sword that he had, all the battle gear that he had. And so Goliath was one of these intimidating guys. And so Goliath would stand up twice a day for 40 days and shout, Winner take all. You take your best man against me. If your best man beats me, if your best man kills me, then the Philistines will be your slaves for life. But if I, if I take your best man, if I beat your best man, win or take all, and you will be the slaves for the Philistines for life. In other words, it was it's probably where WWF got its start. <laughs> that he was challenging them to a fight. He was challenging them to a match, one-on-one, -on -one, win or take all. And this had been going on for like 40 days. And so Saul turns to the men. And listen, don't forget this. Saul was the tallest and the biggest man of the, of the Israelites. And Saul was, was afraid of him. And Saul had great fear. So you know what Saul does? Saul turns to the man after men while David's standing there and says, Okay, men, anybody that wants to take on Goliath, and if you win, I will give you my daughter's hand in marriage. Now, this turned out not to be much of a prize that David will find out later. <laughs> Wasn't much of a reward, and so guess what? None of the men took him up on that. Nobody budged. Nobody moved. Because it wasn't much of a reward. But we'll move on. And so, so, so Saul turns then to the men and says, I tell you what. Anybody that takes on Goliath and volunteers and wins, you will not pay taxes. You'll be exempt from taxes for life. And if you think our taxes are high, their taxes were paralyzing. Verse 23, and so as he talked with them, behold, the champion of the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. So two times a day, trash talking and all that other stuff, and David heard him. First time David hears him. Remember, David's a teenager. David's a youth. This is his first experience of battle. And David heard him, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. Saul was afraid. King Saul was afraid. His brothers were afraid. 
Listen, let me tell you something. When you face giants in your life, they will give you fear. A giant is something in your life. A giant is something in my life that will give you fear, that will paralyze you, that will keep you from moving forward. A giant is something in your life or my life that you think will never be taken away from you, will never be moved out of the way. See, we can have physical giants in our life, and we can have emotional giants in our life. Let me tell you something. Resentment in your life can be a huge giant. It comes from bitterness and comes from unforgiveness. Your spouse forgets to do something and so you pout or you won't talk to them for hours or days or maybe years. A friend forgets to talk to you or forgets to call you. And because of resentment, you refuse to call them. See, resentment is like a sponge that just holds on to one offense after another. Instead of letting it roll off your back with grace and forgiveness. See, resentment is something that if you're not careful will destroy. Have you ever been around someone that's resentful? They have resentment and you could just, you could just hear it in there. You can just hear it in their language. You can hear it in their words. Here's a classified ad that I cut out a number of years ago. And you just hear the guy's frustration, your bitterness, unforgiveness, resentfulness, and all it looks like. Here it is. So it's for sale, motorcycle. 2009 Suzuki GSXR 1000 cost $9,000. This bike is perfect, only a thousand miles on it, and it just had its 500-mile dealer service. I am selling it because it was purchased without the proper consent of a loving wife. <laughs> He's not done. Apparently, do whatever you want doesn't mean what I thought. Call Steve. There's something about resentment that just leads, or their bitterness that just leads to resentment. You know what resentment is? Resentment is, re, resentment is like picking up a stone to throw, but holding on to it. So you'll have plenty of ammunition when you're offended or wounded next. And so we pick up our stones of resentment and bitterness. We hold on to them because some odd reason we find comfort in them. But forgiveness calls us to lay down our stones. See, resentment is easy. Resentment is natural. Forgiveness is hard. See, fear will take the passion out of your life. Discouragement can be a giant. You can never do anything great in your life when you're discouraged. Worry. Most people worry about things that will never happen. I don't know what your giant is, and I don't know what you're facing. I know what my giant is right now, that not only me, but my family, we're just facing. And I don't know what your giant is, but I'm telling you this. Do not be afraid of your giant. Your giant can become a defining moment in your life. That when you confront it and when you deal with it, you know that he is forever faithful. That he is your strength. That he is your refuge. That he is your protector. He is your defender. defender. See, I'm telling you, your giant handled properly. It was a defining moment in David's life, and it can be a defining moment in your life. Five things if you want to get rid of a giant. If you want to move a giant out of, in, out of your way, there's five things that you have to understand. The first one is this. 
people who are defeated will try to discourage you. In other words, people that are being defeated by their giants, in other words, people that live in fear, people that are discouraged, people that, that are paralyzed, when you start talking about living life different, when you start talking about dealing with situations different, I'm telling you, they will discourage you. And so defeated people will always try to discourage people that are dealing with it. It happened in David's life. Watch this, verse 26. And so David heard those words. He heard the trash talking, verse 26. And David said to the men and who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the, repro takes away the approach from, reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. So Eliab, his eldest brother, watch this, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. Why is that? Because of jealousy. Eliab was the oldest brother, right? Remember, we looked at that last week. And traditionally, typically, in the Old Testament, when someone was anointed king, it was the oldest. David's the youngest. I'm telling you, people who are defeated, people who are dealing with a giant of bitterness, resentfulness, jealousy, they will try to discourage you. No different. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those... So here we go. Now he disrespects him. And who have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? David, in case you don't know, you're the baby of the family. All we let you do is take care of a few sheep. Who do you think you are? I'm telling you. You want, to deal with, you want to deal with giants in your life? There will be people that tell you, who do you think you are? You can't do that. This doesn't work that way. And I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. Listen, let me tell you something. When someone begins to question your motives, run swift like the wind. It's the most paralyzing thing, right, in, in, in conflict. When people begin to question your motives and say, I know, I know your ulterior motives. I know the evil that's in your heart. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are trying to live different? Who do you think you are trying to do that? I mean, I really know. David... You, you're really in it for you. Listen, let me tell you something. The Bible says this. Nobody can know the motives in another man's heart. In fact, as the scripture goes on and says, you know what, there are times we may not even know the motives that are in our heart. The Bible says, in fact, as Jeremiah says, the heart is wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? I'm telling you, it is so dangerous when people begin questioning motives. How do you defend about, uh, against that? And see, Eliab was going after that and says, I know about the evil in your heart, for you have come down just to see the battle. So, so Eliab is jealous and he's, and, he, and he's angry at David and saying, who do you think you really are? But David was tough. It goes on, verse 28. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him towards another. Listen, let me tell you something. People who are defeated will try to discourage you. And this seems subtle in Scripture, but this is so important. That David was willing to turn his back on those that were trying to discourage him. Some of you need new friends. So the most powerful thing you can do is understand that if you're going to defeat giants in your life, and if you're going to look, live different in your life, there may be some relationships that you need to turn your back on. 
And you know who you turn to? You turn to him, but you also turn to a group of people that will encourage you and support you. That's why life groups are so important. That's why community is so important. God did not design us to live this Christian life alone without anybody speaking into our life. And David was powerful enough to, to understand that. And he was willing to turn his back. Man, there are some of you, you have friends that will enable you. And never challenge you. To live life with purity, to live life with integrity, to live life differently. And as a result, you never defeat the giants in your life. In fact, is you keep fighting the giants over and over and over. They may have a different face, they may have a different name, it may be a different situation, but ultimately it becomes the same giant. And you see, David just turns his back. And so he turned away from him towards another, and he spoke in the same way. You know what he's doing? He's looking for someone that would encourage him. And answered again as before. Verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and Saul sent for him. So now, don't forget this. Saul's discouraged. Saul's defeated. Saul's the biggest guy. It should be him going out there to face Goliath, but he's scared. Verse 32. And so David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. In other words, I'm the man. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. In other words, you're just a kid. You're just a teenager. I can't send you out. Listen, people who are discouraged will try to discourage you. People who are discouraged, when you talk about breaking an addiction... When you talk about a different lifestyle, when you talk about living in purity, when you talk about keeping your vows, people who are discouraged will try to discourage you. People who are discouraged will tell you it's okay. And he has been a man of war from his youth. In other words, he is more experienced than you. And I, I cannot encourage you enough. Be very, very careful who you get counsel from. Saul was no longer a man after God's own heart. That's why David would write earlier, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but as delight in the law of the Lord. The, the second thing, if you're going to defeat a giant in your life that you've just got to understand is this, you must spend, spend time faithfully and privately in preparation before God. Long before the, the showdown with David and Goliath in the, in the, in the valley of Elah, David defended sheep on the hillsides. And, and God had been preparing David for this for years. And when he would defend as a shepherd the sheep. I'm telling you. It's the secret walk of the Christian. You know what, you know what gives a person a public platform in ministry? With power, it's their private walk. It's the private disciplines of daily opening up his word and reading and allow his word to speak into your life. Scripture says if you'll be faithful with little, he'll give you much. And David was faithful with little. You want, to, you want to know for your life, how do you know that if you would be faithful with much? Are you be, being faithful now with the resources that God has given you? 
Because if you're not faithful with the resources God has given you now, you'll never be able to make those decisions when he gives you much. And see, David, look at this, verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when he came a lion or a bear took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and I delivered it out of its mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I struck him and killed him. And in other words, he said, I've been preparing for this a long time. And so your spiritual disciplines, I'm just telling you, your spiritual dis disciplines are just critical to your life. That's, that's why we life journal here. That's why we read through the Bible in a year and we do this because of unity. And we do this because we're all reading the same stuff and it, it just has so much power when we speak into that. We talk about it with each other. I told you I'm dealing with a, with a giant in, in, in my life and in my family. And, and uh, at the end, the end of this month, my dad's going to have his, his bladder removed. He has, he has bladder cancer. And so, and I've told you, I've been transparent, I've been honest about this, that, that I came out of a very dysfunctional family. I mean, I'm good with my mom, I'm good with my dad, but there's a lot of dysfunction with the siblings. And so for a while, I've been just struggling with this whole decision, what am I going to do, and how am I going to handle it, and all this stuff. And, and a few days ago, I'm reading through Life Journaling, and I, I come to, when we're reading about Joseph, remember, in Genesis. And Joseph came, his dad was Jacob, Joseph came out of a very dysfunctional family. And I come to the end of the book of Genesis, and the scripture says, Joseph went back to his father's David to close his eyes. And God just spoke into my life. Don't let the dysfunction of your family keep you from doing what is right. I'm telling you. It's a it's the spiritual disciplines of life that prepare us to confront, to face giants in our life. And you have to humble yourself in prayer. You have to humble yourself and take his word and align with it. Verse 36, as we just keep walking through this, he goes on and says, Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defeated the armies of the, uh, for he has defiled uh, the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me. Okay, so here he goes. He starts remembering. He remembers back when the Lord was faithful. He remembers back that the Lord is his protector. He remembers back that the Lord is his provision. He remembers all of those things. And so you hear this in David's life. And so he goes, he, the Lord has delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear. And he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, watch this, go and may the Lord be with you. David was bold because of his faith in the Lord. And David was bold because of what God had done in his past. Now listen, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a counselor, I just know this is true. I don't know why it is, but mentally, and, and it's probably true for you as well, why is it mentally when, when we remember our past, we remember our failures, right? Why is that? Why is it that we remember our past and we think back on our past, especially when we get discouraged? We remember our failures. We don't remember our successes. We don't remember when God was faithful, right? I mean, for some reason in the flesh, some reason in the natural man, that we remember our failures. 
That's why it's so important for worship. That's why the scriptures encourage us over and over and over. You lift your hands and you believe. You remember that I am forever faithful. You remember that I am your provider and I am your protector. Because without that, we will get discouraged. And without that, the giants in our life will get large. That's why worship is so critical to what we do. Worship is so critical. Remembering the successes of the past. Remembering when God answered that prayer. Remembering when God delivered us from there. Remembering what happened when we took his principles and applied them to our life. Just what God did in the midst of that. It's what gave David confidence. Oh, and guess what? It's what gives us confidence. If a golfer stands over a three-foot putt and all the golfer can think about is is the last time they they had that putt, they missed it, chances are they're going to miss that putt as well. But if a golfer stands over a three-foot putt and he remembers or she remembers when they drained a putt like that, they sunk a putt like that, all of a sudden they have confidence and the chances are greater that they're going to make the putt. Why? Because of their confidence. Listen, I'm telling you. Your spiritual disciplines, your private spiritual disciplines, the discipline of his word and the discipline of worship is critical to your success. The third thing that you and I have to understand, if we're going to move uh, giants out of the way, is this. Move towards the giant instead of running away from it. You see this in, in David's life. And so Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. If you want to get past your problem, you know what? You must... You must deal with it and you must confront it. There's a temptation in life to to run from a giant. There's a temptation in life to hide from a giant. There's a temptation in life to ignore it. There's a temptation in life just to kind of approach it indirectly. But I'm telling you, when you look at Scripture, you realize that the best attack, the best way to defeat a giant is when you and I are willing to confront it and address it. Here's what I've learned in life. That when confrontation is done quickly... Before issues build up, there's a lot less emotion you have to work through when there's, when there's confrontation. Sometimes people ignore it for so long and pretend like it's not there that by the time the confrontation takes place, there's so much water under the bridge. In the words of Cy, Uncle Cy from Duck Dynasty, If you have a frog to swallow, don't look it in the eyes very long. You know why? Because that frog gets larger and larger and larger. The longer it takes for you to confront a giant in your life, the larger that giant gets and the smaller God appears to you. If you have a hard phone call to make, make it first thing in the morning. Don't stress about it all day. If you have a hard letter to write, write it the first of the week instead of stressing about it all week. Man, go ahead and confront that giant and you will feel better about yourself instead of running from it and hiding from it. There's so many people in life that they will take their giants and they just ignore them or they just just repress them or they just push them down. And that's why you have stress and and that's why giants are never defeated. The only way to defeat a giant in your life, whatever it is, is dealing with it. The fourth thing is this. If you're going to move giants out of your way, man, don't try to be someone else. Just be yourself. Use your strengths. God created you. And you can only deal with this in your strengths, in the way that God has wired you. Verse 38, you see this in in David's life. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and was clothed him with a coat of mail 
And, and David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. So in other words, guess what? David gets advice from Saul. Saul says, well, if you're going to take care of that giant, here's how you should do it. The problem is that was Saul. That was the way Saul did battle. That was not David. They were not the same size. They did not have the same skill. They did not have the same giftedness. And so then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. In other words, don't fight a battle in someone else's armor. It's okay to get advice from people. It's okay to get principles from people. But at the end of the day, you have to confront in your strengths. You have to be who you are and how God has... Listen, you don't have to be anybody else. You can just be who you are. You can just be transparent. And so, so Saul didn't try to fight in someone else's armor. Or David didn't try to fight in someone else's armor. And listen, there will be people that try to get you to fight in their armor. The world will try to get you to fight in the world's armor, right? Don't forgive. That's crazy. You forgive, you'll lose power. Just, just lord it over them. Do not forgive them. Bitterness? Bitterness is good. Man, you hang on to those rocks. You hang on to those, those, those wounds. You hang on to that stuff. And the next time they wound you, you wound them back. Worry? Don't get, rid, don't get rid of worry. Worry is good. I worry all the time. I'm telling you, people who are discouraged will try to discourage you. And we live in this world, but we do not wage war as the world wages war. And David was his own person. And he didn't take Saul's armor. He didn't take Saul's sword. And guess what? He didn't carry his brother's, brother's bow. He went down. He was still who he was. And he grabbed five smooth stones in the brook in which they were. A lot of theologians over the years have debated why five. And so you can read for yourself, and you can read all kinds of different theories. And, and uh, some people's like, well, why did he grab five? I mean, why didn't he know that one would work? Well, one reason is we have the Bible. We know how the story ends. He does not. Sometimes it's so hard to put ourselves in the story, right? We put ourselves over the story. It's easy to say, well, one did the trick. Why did you need five? Did you not trust God? And so we'll over-spiritualize it. Here's the reason I think he took five. One is this. David made a plan. David counted the cost. David did not know one stone would do the trick. David was in it for the long haul. There are a lot of people, when they confront their giants, you know what? They're not in it for the long haul. They throw one stone, and it doesn't work, so they give up. Listen, I'm telling you what. Most giants, when confronted, it, it could take a while. David was in it for the battle. David was in it for the long haul. David committed, no matter how long it takes for me to destroy this giant, I'm in. Listen, when you confront your giant, giants, it may get worse before it gets better. Don't give up. Don't stop. I mean, David was in it for the long haul, and David didn't fight the giant in anyone else's strengths or any, but in his. The last principle is this. If you're going to confront giants in your life, don't quit. Stay the course. Make a commitment. Say, you know what? However long this takes in my life, I'm going to deal with this, and I'm going to move this giant out of the way. Verse 41, And the Philistines moved forward and came near to David with his shield bare in front of him. And when the Philistines looked and saw David, he dis had disdain for him. So he looked down on him, for David was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistines said to David, I am, a, am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beast of the field. 
So now you know where trash talking originated too. Not from Terrell Owens. Here it is. You know, see, this is why you come to church. This is where WWF got its start and trash talking. Verse 45. So then David said to the Philistine. So now then David's going to answer him back. You know what David does? David doesn't talk about the strength in him. You know what David does? David says the strength is in my Lord. Why? Because he is my shield and he is my defender and he is my protector. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I need you to know this. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that, watch this, that there is a God in Israel. When you defeat the giants in your life, that is a testimony to the power of God. That is a testimony to those that are around you that are being defeated by giants in their life that, that he is powerful, that he is bigger than any giant or any problem that you will ever face in life. And all this, and all those assembled, may know, watch this, the testimony, remember, that they may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. And I am so thankful for this. For the battle is the Lord's. We are only called to be obedient. We are only called to be faithful. We are only called to do what we can do. And guess what? God will do the rest if you're just faithful. For the battle is the Lord, and he will give you into our hand. Six different times David referenced the Lord and let him know that I am coming, not in my strength, but his strength. Verse 48, when the Philistines arose and came and, and, and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine, okay? So how do you deal with a giant? This is all through this. You confront it head on. You de David moved toward, da David did not wait till the giant come to him. David did not wait till the consequences had erupted to the point that now i got to deal with this giant. David met the giant. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the, song, the, the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David was an excellent marksman that he learned years ago. A lot of practice, verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck, and struck the, the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David run, ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and, and drew it out of its sheath and, and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they, they fled. Wouldn't you like to see your giant flee it's kind of interesting in scripture the Philistine was dead and David still cut off his head I think the reason is is David wanted to make sure that he finished the job David wanted to make sure he had never have to deal with that giant again he didn't ignore it he didn't suppress it he didn't talk around it. He finished the job. He didn't manage the giants in his life. Just finished the job. 
I am so concerned that I am talking to some people this morning who have been dealing with a giant in their life for so long that you have lost heart. You have come to believe that this giant, this situation in your life will never be defeated. Some of you in this room have been defeated for so long with giants in your life that you honestly, if you're just honest with me or you're honest with someone, if you're honest with yourself, that you don't know if your heart can ever feel the way it once did. If you can ever love again. If you can ever trust again. If you can ever live again and give again. Can I encourage you this morning? Whatever your giant is, confront it in the name of the Lord. Be in it for the long haul and know that he is forever faithful. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?